Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Father Lord, we pray that you would honour yourself again in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, beautiful Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. So I think I'm at a far distance from everybody, so I think it's okay for me not to use the mask. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, God will bless us all in the name of Jesus Christ. We have been talking around the church. We started from what the church is according to scriptures. We went further to talk about how God grows people within the church. And last week we talked about discipleship. That what Jesus asked his disciples is not to make converts, but to make disciples. And we saw that discipleship is a... (laughs) is a very, it is, it is not as easy as, you know, um, just winning converts, as it were. But as we go ahead, we would be looking at building, or how God has called, the way by which God is, is called to build his church. To build his church. And it is, it is interesting that, you know, and that's why we, 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 we have called it, you know, the church, the tools for building. The tools for building God's church. Now, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, and it is important that when God is talking about building his church, Jeremiah 51 verse 20 tells us that you are my axe of battle and sword, says the Lord. With you I will shatter nations and destroy many kingdoms. So what the Bible is saying is that you are the tools in the hands of God. But do you know one thing? Is that if you get to a building site, everybody in that place must be aware of what kind of building they are building. Including if you if you go to a building site and you meet a security man on the door at the gate, if you ask him what are they building, he will tell you is that a two-story building or a six-story building. So the mind of God is for everyone who is who is who is engaged in building his church to know what exactly. Is building. It's to know 
what exactly he is building. So, see, it is important, and as you begin to look at it, you will see that God, the Bible, clearly describes, God describes in his word what he's expecting to be built. And how we expect it to be built. When I was in university, when I was in uni, and I was, I was, I was telling that I was trying to, you know, I was, I was one day with, with, with certain, I, I was one day with friends. Then a friend of mine came to me. He just came back from, he came back from um, Redemption Camp. His name is DJ. He, he came back from Redemption Camp. And he saw how the city was built. No people have been to Redemption Camp. It's a city. Then he began to talk. He came and said, This is why we are failing in the Can We cannot build anything. See, I went to a place and built, there are buildings in the place, and he was pouring out his mind. But because of how, you know, how my heart has been from a very young age, as he was saying those words, he was pouring heavy in my mind. Then I was telling God. It got to a point, see, there are things that you are you, you are talking to God about and there are things that when your spirit is actually speaking it out. To the extent that when, I think was it two days later or a week later, I don't think it was immediate, a week later, I slept and I had a dream. And in that dream, in my investigations, in that dream, I sang a song which I will never forget how many years have I left in you. The, the song was, so I sang that song to the point of come waking up. Basically, interpretation for those who are watching online and don't understand is that I would build the house of God. I will build the house of God. Solomon built his own. I will build mine. So that morning. That day, I kept on singing that song till I woke up. I was singing the song. He know I call it alone. Solomon cut it and more cut me. He know I call it alone. That song is very in fact up to today is so clear in my mind. In my in I I can you probably have not heard it anyways before. You know it was a song that was given to me in my dream. Then thinking that was what God was saying. I woke up that morning, I was walking all the way from Hagoway down to campus area, for those who know, who know, who know, who know, and I was praying to God, I was shouting that every morning. I was an undergrad, they see, all these things didn't start now. <laughs> I was, I was saying, God, I, you know, I call it Lord, Solomon, cut it, and won't me. And I thought, I have not asked you to build me a house. I have asked you to build me people. And the people who build my house. 
He said, go and read your Bible well. Solomon, all the equipment that Solomon bought was for people that didn't have touched their lives. And people were bringing things into the temple. So God said, don't build me a building. Build me people and they will build my house. Then it was, you know, it was, it was clear to me as God was gradually lifting me from my young days that you, know, you are not called to build. You see, he said to me, he said, he said, if you build a building and you don't build people, that building will be empty one day. Then I have not seen the Church of England churches now because I was sitting in jail. So what I'm trying to say to you is this. When God is saying, I want to build my house, you should be clear what he's asking you for. You should be clear. So we are looking at the tools by which God uses in building his house. We have clearly spoken about it last week. The agenda of God in building a church. You know, when we started the church, I used to say to people, there are so many white Americanist churches where we were. God did not call a church to become competition. There is a reason why he called you. It is a lack of understanding. You know, that you think you are the same race. So let us begin to see how God, what God uses in building his church. The Bible says in, in and I'm going to read them the, the good news. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 10 to 12, he said, So so the one who came down is the same one who went up. This is Jesus. Above all, the heavens to fill the whole universe with his presence. So the agenda of God is to fill the whole universe with his presence. It was, it was he who gave gift to the man. So as a result of God wanting to Filled the whole heart with himself, he gave gifts to people. The Bible says that, and he said, but let's go, but he said, he appointed some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. He did this. To prepare all God's people for the work of Christian service. When you read King James, he will say, for the work of ministry. The body of Christ has come to a point where we think we are the morning minister. Actually, it is you that is, <laughs> that is called into ministry. He said, all of God's people. That means that there is nobody within the body of Christ that God is not expecting to do something. 
Does this make sense? When you go into the tabernacle, I'm just going to, when you go to the tabernacle of Moses, there is only one seat in that tabernacle. And that seat is called the mercy seat. What does that mean? Everybody is standing doing something. It is only God that sits down. So that means that if Aaron was sitting down in the holies of holies, then that means somebody is standing. So that means God is standing while Aaron is sitting. That's what it means. Because if there's only one chair and you are sitting down, then somebody is standing up. So, as the Bible says, it says, and please, this is important as we begin, it says, all God's people, for the work of Christian service, in order to be able to build the body of Christ. So, if you are not involved in service, don't complain that the body of Christ is not built. Because it is the job of this people, when you read um, uh, the King James Version, tell you that to equip, to prepare. I was, I used to go to a church at some time ago, once a while, just to, you know, to preach and to talk to them. So for a while, the church is in um, South London. So for a while, I did not go. So when I went, there was a day that one of the members saw me. And said, ah, Pastor, you've not been to our church for a while. I said, ah. I said, he said, yeah, he said, I just had a couple of things doing and things like that, but you know, as God wills, I will come. Ah. He said, he said, you are causing trouble. I said, what is the issue? He said, no, you can't. Amen. He, he said. He said you can. Um, he, he said you can. You can. Um, oh, sorry. Um, he said. He said that you can. Um, you can. He, he, what he now said to me was, when you come to our church, and this is glory to God, when you come to our church, he said, what you come to teach us. He said I take it to my workplace. I will sit down and I teach them. He is being equipped so that he can carry out his Christian church, his, his Christian work. Does that make sense? God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, before we begin to see that, see, this is where when you read scriptures, you discover that there are some areas that probably the way Paul was talking, he did not exhaust the list. So, those who are called to equip people is not only the fivefold ministries. When you go to um, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 to 28. Now, Christ, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. God has placed in the church. I'm coming back to that. I like it for a reason. First of all, apostles, second prophet, third, teachers, miracles, then gift of healing, then helping. 
and guidance. Now, when you read guidance in another translation, it will say administrators. So that means, as God has called a pastor, it's the same way he called the person cleaning outside. What we have done is that we have graduated the person from cleaning outside and brought them into the church. The person that God has called to be helping people like the ushers. You say you've been here for long. You should not be doing that kind of job again. You now promote them into a place that God has called. So, when the Bible was saying, as the way God has called the pastor, is the same way that God has called the ushers. I said to one day, that was the day we we're clearing the church. I, I thought that God was speaking to me personally because I, I was like, I was clearing the church, and we we're clearing the church, and I was doing a couple of things myself. And God said, why are you here? Why are you doing what you're doing? I said, ah, I'm clearing he said, no, no, that's not what I'm asking. Why are you here? And he said, you say because you are the pastor. He said, where is this person? The same way I called you, the same way I called him. The same person that is supposed to come and clean the floor. It's as if a CEO enters a place, the holder of a company. Then you now call secretary. Secretary, where are you? I, I didn't come to work today. Why? Ah, because the, the chairman, the, the CEO, the director is at work. He will say, okay. So when I call director, I, you know, you, so once director is there, you two are free to sit at home. Because after all, director is there. What will happen? He will sack, he, he will sack that secretary immediately. So, well, okay, it's obvious that you think that I, am, I must be a fool to have <laughs> to have employed you directly. I did not see that I have employed somebody as the chief accountant before I said that you should be sweeping. Paul, Paul deliberately expanded these roles that your focus will not only be on high-post ministries. It would also be on those who are helping. Now, please, why I let I I like that this place. The Bible says he placed them in the church. Have you had those who say God has called me over this ministry? No, you are in the church. You are part of the church. What does that mean? Is that when somebody is leading worship, I sit down to receive their own ministry to myself. I am part of the church. I am not on top of the church. There is no ministry that is on top of the church. It's only Jesus that is on top of the church. So it is not that it's not that when I want to preach, it's when I'm just walking. Have you seen people like that before? I'm just walking. And as soon as I finish preaching, praying for everybody, I just walk out. <laughs> it is lack of understanding of scriptures. Lack of understanding of scriptures. There was a day that Daddy went to a branch, and some people may not really know him, but there are quite a lot of branches that people who are, you know, like people here who accept to see him, and people may not know who he is the person. 
and he was, they were doing, um, uh, was it revival or something? And he came in and he sat in the crowd, he sat at the back. And obviously this zealous usher did not know who he was. Say, hey, please, just, just move to that side. And he sat down and he moved to that side. So when their pastor came, <laughs> and he said, no, next, it, it doesn't matter who I am. You should not treat me special because you see me. It, I'm more happy that you did not even identify who I was. But you just don't come because I'm sitting again. Oh yeah, move, 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 sit here, sit here, sit here. God will grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So they are part of the church. They are not visiting me at it is not scriptures. I know they say it. It is not scriptures. Show me where it is in scriptures. You are a part of a church. You sit down. When people are praying, I am also sitting down praying. When you are calling, I am also. See, they are the, the choir, choir person who knows that. I don't. When you want to do so, I say, What do you think? Because I am also receiving his ministry. I am on top. I am, I am, I am, I am the apostleship over this ministry. That's not scriptures. It is good. We have it a lot, but it's not scriptures. So no matter what you are called to do in this church, in the body of Christ, you are also depending on somebody else to minister to your life. So sit down. See, assuming well, 5,000 now. Not even that. Forget about 5,000. Assuming that you have a church now that the, what's it called? The person who has the key of the church did not come to open church. Come and see where prophets will, will function. They will sit outside and God help them that in heaven's open rain. <laughs> you will see that that person is also as important as the one that's coming. Imagine if there is no microphone. And you have speaking to 2,000 people before your someone is 10 minutes. <laughs> you just let us pray. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So the Bible, so, and see, it is important. I'm just starting off with that. Now, it is also important as we're looking at the tools of building his church. Please know that we are first talking about God has given all. Everyone is called to do something. And one other thing I'm just going to just say is this, is that as we said, when, see, the problem about, the issue, not the problem, the challenge about building God's church is that he already has a design set. The Bible says, the, the, the Bible talks about that. The Bible says that, the Bible says that, it says, it says, we, it said, it said, it said the foundation of God is sure. Christ has already laid his foundation. See, what does it mean? You cannot put a square foundation and want to build a round, a round house on top of it. So God is, the Bible is saying, God has already cleared what he wants to build. 
and the agenda in his mind is expressed in scriptures. No matter what revelation you have today, as far as scriptures is concerned, God has designed in the Bible what he wants to build. Most of the time that I see that people call deep revelation is because you have not seen or traced it to scriptures. I'll give you an example. And please don't be offended. Michael Lini himself. Why is that? Is that, do you think that is a revelation that just appeared to you? Is the reason that Daniel chapter 9 and, uh, 9 and 10, I think 10 also says, call Daniel the priest, the prince of the, of the people of Israel. So that means Daniel, so that means Michael is the angel in charge of the Abrahamic covenant. If you are part of the Abrahamic covenant, Michael is your name. That is where it comes from in scriptures. See, there is nothing. See, one of these that you know, there is nothing, and God will help us to teach about here this topic. There is nothing in the way that is proper. I'm not showing the ones that has come as a addition. Muslim documents or the ones that God has given to the fathers that have that have come as they go, you can trace them directly into the Bible. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Now the Bible says that now this is the reason. Hebrews Hebrews chapter 11 says that some because see. The Bible says, and let's just read it, says, some have faced jest and flogging, chains and imprisonment. They were, they were put to death by stoning. They were sawed into two. Do you know what sawed into two? As a prophet in the Bible. Isaiah, 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 he was sawed into two. They, they put his leg like this, one leg like that, and they sawed him from the bottom. People say, ah, only a fire God help you. Amen. The Bible says they were sawed into two. They were killed by stone. These are people that have built the church ahead of us. He said they went about in sheepskin. God, sorry, in God's skin, destitute and persecuted and mistreated. He said, he said, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the desert and in the mountains, living in caves and in, hole, in, 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 in holes on the ground. Now, the Bible says in verse 10, it said, these are, were all commended for their faith. Yet, none of them received what God has promised them. Why? Since God has planned something better for us, that together with us. So what God is saying is that what Moses started, I cannot give him total reward until you finish your own bit and we bring everything together. What does that mean? 
I cannot build something that is different. I cannot, because, see, if God is saying, these are the people that have gone ahead of you, but I will not give them their full reward until you finish your own bit. You cannot not come and say, this is how I want to do my own. It is not possible. You cannot come and say that, you know, this is this generation. Our generation is different. It is not possible. See, all those things sound good, but it's not spiritual. You know, one, of, one person said, excuse me, are we going to the same heaven with people? You look as if, at times you behave as if they have a different heaven and we have a different heaven. But if you are going to go to the same heaven that Paul, sorry, that um, Isaiah was, was, was pierced into two. And your home case is because I'm just tired. Is it the same heaven that you are in? Because God will say, ah, Isaiah God will talk. I say, excuse me, sir. Ah, you know? <laughs> I was told into two. This person is it's only sleep that is disturbing them. The problem, the challenge about building God's work is that it did not start from you. You are not going to build something now because the foundation has been set ahead by those that have gone before us. Only, um, ah, I want to teach you, shall do more. Oh, about your lonely, oh, cause I see what we pay. Tell you what you question. I did cause I have to you, and that's it. You know, I thought you sing those songs, and I can imagine what they are doing. They say, ah, <laughs> you know, you are saying they are concerned to you. Ah, no, no. <laughs> God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to, for you to see the weight of the work that God has called you to do. It is not left to you. Because you, your, 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 what you do is part of the reward that Elijah will get. That's what the Bible says. It says, without us, they will not be made perfect. We are talking about the tools by which God uses to build his house. Because see, the problem, the, the other challenge also is that see, you cannot, you cannot decide to study um, Yoruba to sit for a math exam. If they have to have you read, say that read. What, what, what am I trying to say is that you can, you are not the one setting exams. So when they give you curriculum to say, this is the way to go about it. If you are preparing for another exam, to come and sit for an exam, you are just wasting your time. So the Bible says to us in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter um, 3, verse it says, for we are co-workers, and, and for we are co-workers in God's service. You are his field and God's building. He said, by the grace of God, God has given me, 
I have laid the foundation as a wild builder. And someone else is building on it. Each one of you should, should build with, with care. For you, for no, for no one can lay a foundation already than the one that has been laid. You can only build on it. You cannot lay a foundation. I want to say foundation though, too. A foundation describes how a house is going to be built. So the Bible says that it says, it says no one that no one that can lay a foundation or that already been laid, which is Christ Jesus. Let's go. If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, or costly stone, or wood, hay, or, 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 or straw, he said their work will be shown for what it is. He said, he said because the day will bring it to light and it will be revealed by fire. If it will be by fire, the fire will test the quality of what you are doing. So he said you can be building just like you can be I can be I can have a math exam and be and be reading overnight Yoruba. It is not a problem. But the issue is that when the exam comes and I open my question paper and I see maths there, you know you failed. So it's not a question, are you doing God's work? It is the quality. See, at times it seems that I can serve God anyhow. That is your song. That is not scripture. Now, why is it quality important? Because Jesus said, I have called you, I have chosen you, I have not chosen you, that you may bear fruits that last. So that means any result that has no eternal value is not, it will, you can have it here, but by the time it gets to him before God, it disappears. Because it has no eternal value. If I raise a millionaire in the church, and that person has not met Christ, and given their life to Christ, that work has no eternal value. But if I can give you the best of Christ, then that work has eternal value. There are, there are you know, somebody was saying, um, was it Baba, Baba, uh, Baba, Obadari, for those who may not know him, was saying that he had a revelation a couple of years before he died, he had a revelation and he saw that his house, that God showed him his house in heaven and the house was in, at the window level. I said, God, ah, since 1980, that has been, God said, hey, yes. He said, but people's eyes were opened. You know, people are being delivered. Okay, people's problems are being solved. God said, yes, but it has no eternal value. Those things, Ogwaye is only function is only here. That doesn't register in heaven. You are, that's why, see, at times the scripture that we are preaching now is different. That's what Jesus said, figurative. Jesus said, if your eyes is going to cause you to go to hell, pluck it out. 
So that means that if you are going to get, if that is what is going to mislead you, you might as well just leave it. Because it has no eternal value. That's why you begin to see when Paul was, sorry, I'm just trying to wash a couple of things. When Paul, Colossians says to us, he says, so we tell you about Christ, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom of God that given us, us to us, that we want to present them to God. Now he's saying our responsibility as, 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 as an apostle, our responsibility as a church is to present people to God in their perfect relationship with Christ. So any other thing that is not embedded in presenting people to God, in presenting them in a perfect relationship with Christ, it is just a wisdom. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Now let us really go to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's focus on our time. So I'm just trying to lay to you the foundation, what, what we are called to do. The Bible says to equip God's people for the work of service so that we may the, the, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature, attaining the full measure of Christ. So, what is the goal of the body of Christ? Is that I will the goal of the Christ is that the body of Christ I will present you to a point where you will become mature and become more like Christ. That is why He has given people different gifts. Because the lifestyle of an apostle is in Christ. The lifestyle of a prophet is in Christ. The lifestyle of a teacher is in Christ. So when we equip you, when you come out, you come out a full Christian. When you go to Volvo, when you begin to see, ah, that is a dog walking on the street, there's Wala. So if a Christian only has one side of his function, his life, then there is water. Because we are called to present people in full maturity to Christ. Why? Because um, 1 John says, 1 John 3, 2 says, Dear friends, we are all children of God. He said, we, what we would be, what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him. So that means the goal of the church is to make sure you are ready that when Jesus appears, you will be like him. The Bible now says, he said, all those who have this hope should purify themselves. That means there are certain things you have to let go. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. 
So we are called to build the body of Christ into maturity. Maturity is not how many years have you been seeing revelation. That is not maturity. That's not what scripture counts as spiritual maturity. He said, when Paul was up, he said, he said, I used to hear all these kind of characters. He said, he said, he said, you should leave those things and move up to maturity. I thought you should have grown. Maturity in scriptures is measured by fruit, not by gift. But we measure mature. Ah! And that will leave man. Who says who? Maturity by scriptures is measured by fruit, not by gift. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. See, I am not. So, now let's begin now to look at, we've talked about what we are supposed to build. The major goal is to is to equip people to become more like Christ. See, I was talking to a couple that was going to, they're going to get married in not quite long. So he called me and we're talking. And I said, see, this is the problem. Please, I hope you hear me well. The Bible says, wife, submit yourself to your husband. And that is the scripture that we quote. But the verse before that part says, Submit yourself one to another as you submit to Christ. So, if I am as a husband constantly trying to submit myself to Jesus, becoming more and more like Jesus, it will be easy. For my wife. Submit. But I don't submit myself to that Jesus. Turn out to a punching bag in the house. He says, You must submit. That is what this is the problem. We quote scripture. We just put one scripture. Say, ah, this is the scripture. Read it well. That's not what Paul was talking about. The Bible, the other scripture that, and I'll give you an assignment to go and read it at home. The Bible scripture that we talk about, the Bible says that a man that cannot provide for his household is worse than an infidel. The problem about what you are quoting is that that is not what Paul was talking about. You just need to read that Bible. Read it yourself. <laughs> but we have, we have, it has caused issues in families. The husband is, is struggling to make ends meet. The wife says, ah, you are an infidel. The Bible says that if you are not, if you cannot provide for your household, they are worse than infidel. Where did they hear it from? They, that's what they talk to me. The problem is that they don't read the Bible. They just say, they just quote it. But when you read that scripture well, what Paul was talking about is that there are widows in the church. And the church is the one fending for those widows. And there are people in the church that, be, that they belong to those families. 
And Paul was saying, we cannot be taking care of all the widows when you are young people that are in church that are related to them. Then that's why he said, if you cannot provide for your home, that is the widow in your house, then you are worse than an infant. What kind of Christianity is that? That's what Paul said. Read your Bible, that's what is in there. So, the husband also will say, my wife wants to get a job that is 10 times higher than I am. Mm. The Bible says, And the husband is struggling in the house to make bills meet, get uh, ends meet with bills. Rather than saying, my wife, how are we going to get this job? Ah, no. How am I going to do it? Oh, Baba. Ah, it's on all right. You need to go, you can hear God say, read value. Read value. See, there are people that at a time, God will call maybe your husband or wife, basically, we're talking about husband now, into, into ministry. That they have to either do a part time job so that they can do what God has called them. And you, God may be blessing you because of that man. But because you have read scripture the other way, can you not? You know, why don't you just do the electricity and pay for the electricity while this man is trying to get stuff? No, 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 no. The Bible says that if a man cannot provide for his wife, he's worse than an infidel. See, most of the problems that we have, if only we can read the Bible. And honestly, there are so many things that people talk about, God just says, no, at times God just hands us because He just has to answer. You know, don't worry. Just, but the problem is that you will still be under that kind of bondage because you have refused to read the verses before and the verses after. You just pull one verse of scripture and you don't read it. God grant us understanding of the name of Jesus Christ. I am not saying that a man should not provide for his own. But when circumstances are different, he is not under a cause. That is not scriptures. After all, the Bible calls you his helper. If I can stand by myself all the days of my life, why do I need an helper? I never thought that why would God call a woman an helper? It's because there will be things you cannot do by yourself. And you need an helper. And at times when we when we say that you know, they, um, God help us. You know, see, a woman has to be more prayerful than a man. I say you have to be stronger. Why? Please, if I fall down to the floor now, can one of the babies there can they pick me up? Are they an helper too? So that means if I stumble, your wife. She'll be able to pull you up in the place of prayer. Who is stronger? Elpa? <laughs> ah, no. You know, all this prayer in this house. Me, I can't do prayer. I am just an helper. See, this is because they say, ah, helper, you know, she's an helper. She's just an helper. Don't worry. See, some people, some husband or wife say, you cannot read it up to a point. It's not a problem. The problem is that the day you are weak, your helper will only, if he has 
if you have only allowed her to leave primary two, that it is that primary two that she will use to help you on the day you need the help. So don't face God. You said you are helper, you can't move more than this level. And the day when help comes, because it will come, you will have to walk with that family two woman to help And the day when you leave, oh God help you in your life, you, know, you, you are not disposed, maybe you are not bleeding up dead. It is that family two that will raise your job. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to lay emphasis on reading the Bible and not just, don't just come in up with all sorts of things. The Bible, so as we just roll, go on as we begin to look, so we discover that everybody is called to do something. Now, the Bible says that it says, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. The Bible, the, the Bible says that, sorry, I'm skipping all scriptures. Said, so that with, so it is with you, you sincere to, um, to, sincere eager for the gift of the Spirit. Try to excel in those that build up the church. First Timothy says to us that First Timothy 4, 4 said, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to thee by prophecy, and with the laying of hands by the um, person, sorry, meditate on these things and give your hopes only to then your prophecy will appear to all. Please note that the Bible did not say talent. There is a difference in talent and gift. Talent cannot be used in the church. Gift is what is used. Your talent is consumed by the Spirit of God before it can be usable. Now, we saw the Bible says that there is a gift called the gift of administration. So that means there is a spiritual gift of administration. So that means that if somebody comes an administrator from outside, it will become a challenge because that gift has not been held onto by God. I'll explain what I'm saying. When God has called somebody to be a teacher, that is the gift or the calling upon their life. And they have a natural talent of singing. Is that possible? Do you know that there are some people that when they sing, you literally, your hymn books, are songs that are written by people and you can use them in prayers. So somebody can be a choir member and sing, but the gift is teaching. It doesn't mean that they 
just stand here and begin to teach. Does this make sense to us? So your natural talent is singing. See, there are people who sing for Shampoo. They have a natural talent of singing. God, see, there is nobody that doesn't have natural talent. As long as God created you, there's a talent in you. But there is also the gift that can speak through those talents. Somebody may have the gift of him, but may have a natural talent of singing. And you, the problem is that when that person begins to see that, ah, God is using me to heal people, you will not leave the choir and not come and stand. So yeah, you will see results, but it will never be as much. Because what you have done, that you have left what God has given you. Does this make sense to us? Why am I talking about this? Because this is why the people are so displaced within the body of Christ. We have a box that we put everybody in. Oh, you are a prophet, we are here. You are a pastor, we are here. Without necessarily seeing that God's gift can be speaking through different talents at the same time. Does this make sense to us? So, it is important that there is no place that God cannot use you. But your talent has to be has to be has to be consumed. The spirit of God has to consume that talent to be able to be used. When somebody has a talent for natural singing and they hold the mic in a church to sing, you will dance, but there is no spiritual result for anything they've done. There. Why? Because it is just talent. That is why you will never see the apostles. When they choose people, they choose them from amongst the disciples. It is not... Okay, let me just give an example as I just move on from there quickly. There was a day we were in the long time in Osu. Mama Fumia Aratagi that sang in Yorosokale Owadewaru. I shared this a couple of times. The woman was, the woman came that day and we were trying to sing. And the woman said, Ah, sorry, my children, my voice is gone. And literally, her voice was gone. She was, she was barely speaking. And somebody said, ah, Mommy, don't worry. Just come and sing for us. Mama took the microphone with that very bad voice. Began to sing. See, I'm not talking vision. I'm talking about reality. It was a feed. Everybody in that circle, that was in that circle of the place, until where the usher stood, we were soaked with water. Those are at the opposite side were, were, were perfectly, were, you know, they were dry. And why is that? Because as we begin, so and that's what I'm trying to say is that at that day, you can say, Mama has no talent. 
Because what God uses is not how. See, there are some good sonorous voices that, as far as God is concerned, they, they, he, he doesn't care about such. Have you not seen people I have had or people who go to go and do revival in a place and once you're done, they just, they just shout paraga. They just didn't know paraga. They just shout something. And they just come in and say, hey, holy mother, this kind of stuff. Total rubbish. It has no eternal value. It is important that we begin to differentiate talent from when the gift of God is speaking. Because within, see, there are some preachers that are natural orators. They can deliver the word to you, but as soon as you walk through those doors, it's as if you are just back to normal. <laughs> because all that happened here is hype. Because ah, I'm feeling the spirit of God. This is just, I know it. And at times, when your spirit is hoping also, you, you, know, you can feel the presence of God. But that does not mean the time is wrong. So the gift of God is wrong. Now, let me just quickly look at something to us. As we, as we draw, draw this to the, to the place of prayer, is that when you look at Acts chapter 6, the Bible says here that there was an issue between the Jews. What was happening here was that it is not now that it's happening. There were Jews and there were Greeks that they have converted to the church. So when they were distributing food, they were distributing food more to the Jews because it was the Jews that was in charge. So the Jews were more, they were favoring others than the Greek. So the Greek were going hungry in the church while the Jews were no way people are doing advice and say, give it to my people. It didn't happen, it's happening since then. So you begin to see here, so the issue here was distributing food. So then Paul, the Bible says, let's, let's just come on, please, I'm just keeping, keeping through this. The, and Paul, the Bible, the Bible said that we cannot just leave the world and be distributing food. He said, brothers and sisters, now, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit of God. Please, what do you need the full Spirit of God to distribute food? I thought it was normal that you can distribute food. So why do you, why would the apostles say that we need somebody who is full of the Spirit of God? And wisdom who will, who will turn this responsibility over to them. So, the apostles knew that talent alone cannot be used in the church. No matter how small that job is. So the Bible says that, let's go on please. The Bible says that they present, now verse 6 says, they presented the men to the apostles and they lay hands on them. You will not understand what is important about laying hands on them until when you hear where Paul says that please don't be quick to lay hands on people so that you don't partake in their sin. That means if you lay hands on somebody and that person goes home to do something evil, God will not only count it to them, you will also partake in their sin. Do you know there are many men in the same world? 
amendment to that clause. <laughs> when you present people to Babaladura or to the church leader, to ordain, he will say, Shay Wati, Shay Wati, and this and that. Basically, what they are saying is that I am not partaking in the sin of this person. And you that say, ah, no, they told me to come and present people. And you now say, yes, I have said so. And your Lord, you are your Lord, you are your Lord. They have said. So when they now anoint the person, the leader will not turn his back. Jesus, basically, God, see my hand. <laughs> Anything that that person does is their responsibility. Even the God was that dumb. Because you know how that person got there. <laughs> so you are just doing <laughs> you know, you're already taking five pounds and then they are So what I'm I, I said that to say that for the apostles to lay hands on people. That's why Paul told Timothy to not be quick to lay hands on people. Because when they begin to fall, you will partake in their sin, in their consequences, except that person has been spoken to and they go their way. That's why you see somebody like Bakari will tell you, I don't do branch you. You understand? God has called you. Hallelujah. Go. I am not. Ah, no, 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 no. ah. For me to partake in your sin, do your own, I do my own. So for the apostles to lay hands on people, that's what I'm trying to say. They don't just lay hands on people in scriptures. Because somebody has gifts, does not make, they don't lay hands on people like that. Because they know the consequences of laying their hands on them. So they said they lay their hands on them. Now please, let us, we are following this thing well. What was, what was their job? They were called to distribute food. The apostle said these people must be full with the Holy Spirit. Now they now lay hands on them, basically passing the anointing of God on them. Now let's go to verse. Um, uh, uh, let's just go to do I have verse eight? Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed wonders and signs among people. Please, where was he performing wonders? Where he was distributing his food. When this person is performing wonders, you say, Oh, yeah, come and take him out. Oh, yeah, come and. That's what we do. But this man was anointed to be distributing food. And while he was distributing that food, miracles was happening. If you have people that are called by God and anointed to stand in the, in the finance department, people that are financially struggling, that come and give them their money, they will take it and say, I bless God with life and miracles will happen. That is why when I used to, I learned that when I'm doing uh, what I used to do what in my time. When I, when, when I didn't graduate, but you know, <laughs> condition that condition, you know, you don't even want to have him as a body in this church. Because <laughs> then we used to, 
Ah, all these ones. We, we used to, before we are, before the Adin used to have, what do they call this canal? Uh, autopilot. We were autopilots then. <laughs> we have a way of carrying the two eyes, and I'm sleeping. <laughs> and I'll be going, I'll be, I am already sleeping. <laughs> like, but I don't know how it is God's grace. I know how to get to that point and walk back. I don't know. The problem is that if you now walk past me, that's when you will know that this guy that's going up and down is already sleeping. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, we, we are the anointing of autopilot. Because there are so many people that are bored. Hot cold on them because because people think that it will stop when it sees me going. I ask them, it's already it's in another zone. God help us in Jesus' name. But then when when I began to learn, when people put their money in the in the offering basket, as you put your as I stand before you and you put your money in the I said, May the Lord bless you. May the Lord increase your, your seat in the name of Jesus. Then I move to the next person. Why? Because there is an anointing on that office. But what we will do is that we will say, ah, at your age, you should not be taking money from people. Ah, you've been in this show since when? 1921. And you are still collecting money. Ah. Come on, come on, come on. Look for share, look for share, look for share. Let them sit. And we are complaining that people are struggling within the job because the person that has the anointing to collect money has been promoted to sit, to sit somewhere. That is why when they are, when, see, I, I shared this with you at the time. If when you have a man that is anointed by God to handle the parking lot, he can be seen by say, ah, Daddy, on Monday, please don't take this car. How do you? Just park it at home. He's functioning in his office. A car has a problem. He says, ah, Daddy, what has been if he understands his calling, he will lay hands on that car and say, that don't worry, you go to church. God, this car, whatever that is taking the money away from this person, in the name of Jesus, he stops. That is his office. And you begin to see, but we have put people here, say, I ah, know, and people are already, everybody say, I ah, know, they are looking down on me. They are looking down on me. So, this place where this man was serving food become, it became a miracle center. It, you will never see that any time in the church that Peter was, Paul, uh, Stephen was given the opportunity to preach. No. That is not what he is called to do. But, Generally, if you have that kind of person that can help a sick man to walk, you would say, ah, no, it is time to preach. It is time to preach. I can imagine somebody having ulcer and has not eaten for five days. And as, and as, uh, as, as Stephen is giving them the food, and he said, may the Lord bless you. May this food become heal your body. And as he takes that food and it begins to heat, it begins to feel that something is changing in his body. The person that came to come and beg for food, he would say, well, I know you don't have food at home, but as I give you this food, 
May you, may you by next month, bring food for other people to, 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 to come and share. You will begin to see that that person will go home. All of a sudden, the doors will begin to open. And when he's coming back with testimonies, with two bags of rice, and he's rushing to Stephen, I say, Stephen, thank God. See, you prayed for me that I will not go hungry again. I have come to give my whole offering to God. And the apostles never saw it as an issue. Because they understand that he was his office. Stephen never said, I want to become an apostle. Because he understood they are in their own office. One of the greatest sermons we ever read in the Bible, is in the book of Hearts, was preached by Stephen. But Stephen preached outside, never in his own. We are trying to put the equipment, the tools, in the right places so that you don't just abandon your own space and be running after something that has no relevance to your life. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me just read this scripture to us. Um, uh, first Corinthians, first Corinthians. 25. The Bible says, And David, the commander of the army, and set apart the sons of Asaph, Ammon, and Jutton. For the, now, normally we say that Asaph are those who play instruments. And they, they are instruments. The Bible says that for the ministry of prophesying, accompanied with harps, um, um, lyrics, and cymbals, and were, were in the list of the men who performed this service. You never get to have those names. Let's read on, please. Now, I'm reading verse, the last part of verse 3. He said, he was talking about the names who prophesied. What were they using to prophesy? Harp. I don't know how it was happening. Maybe that person was playing keyboard and somebody was saying, I am hearing something. I am hearing something. God is speaking something to me. Ah, I don't know. Whenever that brother touches the keyboard, I begin to really, I begin to hear a direction for my life. But when that brother knows that when he press keyboard, people are already hearing voices, what does he do? He graduates. And it goes to alone. We are poor. <laughs> we can't know it. Why else? Rather than playing his keyboard and people begin to pick words from God. Maybe you are doing a sound or prayer and somebody just plays or maybe a prayer song. And it's as if God has just spoken directly to you. Why? Because the gift is functioning from that. Now, no matter how high it becomes in the sight of God, that is his calling. So David understood that. And there were people who were playing harp. Harp is not what you hear. Elomi boya gongolonu. 
maybe if you come, sorry, I know there are people who are who listen to our podcast who are not who are not talking drum and things like that. And why is beating that talking drum? Somebody is hearing it and hearing that no, ah, what is this person saying? This is what God is. Let us read one scripture and we'll just hand it there as we go to pray. The Bible says that, it says, it says, see, I have chosen Bezalel, the son of Uri, and, and the son of all, the tribe of Judah. He said, I have filled them with the spirit of God, with all wisdom and understanding, with all kinds of skills. Please, you would think that when God said, I have filled somebody with my spirit, he's supposed to stand up and begin to prophesy. But the Bible says, to make artistic designs. This is the first reference in scripture that you see that the Bible says God poured his spirit on somebody. He said, oh, that spirit is for them to make designs. They will be able to carve out designs. See, can God pour his spirit on you so that you can help us manage traffic? Or you think that that is too small job to need anointing to do? Maybe your whole job is to handle the cameras. We talked. I talked about this at the time, and I'm just going to just. I talked about this at the time when we started the church. I think it was something that I was being. You know, I God helped us to push on, and there was somebody there who was handling the cameras. And that day she was focusing on the church. So I was standing behind her. And she would look at the camera. And she would look out. And she would laugh. She would look at the camera. Look, and I was standing. People were clapping. And I was standing behind her saying, what is this all about? And things like that. So she now saw that. She now said, she now called her pastor. Something is happening. I said, what? He said, pastor, I am filming people, two people are clapping. But when I look into my lens, I see six people clapping. If I looked into that lens, I would say nothing. Because you need an anointing from heaven to do something. To do his work in his church. You can, I can imagine that person begins to film. God is calling people in different ways to begin to film. And as that person is filming, that person is saying, Ma, I don't know, Mao. See, I don't know. I know this will sound funny to you. But it seems like at this side of your body, maybe do you have some sickness in that place? How, how do you? I don't know how to explain. But you know, as I'm filming you, <laughs> I can see through your body. May God grant us grace. Yeah. You know, there are people who are doing different places, things in this church. And most of them who are called to do something, they will tell you that I had, I could not see, even to the littlest job, 
There are people who come and say, God has been speaking to me. Not that God has, I have had this, this strange experience. The person leading us in, in, in uh, what's it called? In, um, in evangelism. She called me and she said, I cannot sleep. She was crying on the phone. I said, what happened? I saw people walking into hell. I said, God has called you to heal these people in evangelism. You know, I don't want to mention it because people don't want to know. You know? There, there are so many things that you know, somebody called me who was, who was doing something in the church. And he said, ah, I was talking about it. said, ah, I had this, 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 this. I could not sleep overnight. This is what was happening. And I called, I told her, I said, don't worry. I said, go and ask this person, go and ask this person what the experiences were. I didn't go and call people to say this is what you're doing. Because a spirit has to be poured for you to be able to handle God's things. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Now the last scripture we would read is going to Exodus, Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. The Bible says that, now this is where, you know, Every one of you, every one of us has been called by God to be used. Now, see, the Bible says that, and you will use it. We're talking about the anointing oil, because I just caught other scriptures before that. said, you will use it to anoint the tent meeting, the heart of, of the law, the temple, and not the articles, the lampstand, and the accessories, and the altar of incense. What? He said, the altar, um, the altar, the altar of burning offering, and in all its utensils, what is God saying? God is saying, you will take the oil. You anoint everything in that church before they are used. Including the chair before they are used. Why? So what he's saying to us is this. Everything that God has to use in his church, he must first of all anoint them. So he's saying utensils. That is, all the minor things. He said, you shall anoint them with oil. Let's go on, please. He said, you shall consecrate them. Now, he's not talking about human beings now. He's talking about the things that they are using. You shall consecrate them to become most holy. And I said, this is what will happen. Anybody that contacts them will be holy. That means that if an unholy thing touches those things, that an unholy thing becomes holy. That means that if the anointing of God comes upon my life, and if I am an usher, I know that's COVID, but if I am yard and shaking people, I am doing elbow, the anointing of God will touch me. If somebody is coming into the church, with an evil spirit. Maybe they've been possessed for a long period of time. When they touch the ministry of the person leading worship, that evil spirit runs out. Why? Because whatever touches them becomes me. So the question is not, the question is not, ah, Ogunwale, no. The question is that, are you anointed? Anything that touches you, it doesn't matter where it's coming from. It becomes holy. That is why when Jesus was going, the woman with the issue of blood touches, touched, touched Christ. See, normally in the holding days, 
when a woman with an issue of blood touches a priest, that priest becomes unholy. But when the woman with issue of blood, when Jesus touched her, rather than Jesus becoming unholy, she became holy. That is where the God uses his tools as he begins to be As he pours his spirit on you in whatever dimension that he has called you to do. If it's to shout hallelujah, when you shout it, sickness drops. I have heard those stories when somebody told me, when the cross is being brought and the cross is going through the church. People that have sicknesses are being healed as the cross is moving across them. Why? It is because the person carrying it is anointed. Please, it is not the cross of man. Because Elijah's uh, Elisha's servant carried Elisha's rod. Nothing happened to him. And that's what I want you to say. Establish your mind, Lord, as you come to the place of prayer. Because God is reaching for tools to build his church. And please, we have no excuse. I cannot be seen most, uh, I cannot be, you know, I cannot have heard of Moses or the Malajan walk from the northern part of Nigeria. And, and be saying, you know, uh, someone say, I you know, I, those, those are the days of our fathers. That is rubbish. Any father that doesn't want his children to be more than dead is a devilish father. And I believe that most of the humanity, in his heart of hearts, his joy is to see his children rise and do greater things than they have ever done, than he has ever done. In fact, Jesus said it. He said he would do more than I have done. So please don't let us start saying, are you about most of the Malay? No, most of the Malay saying, are you about the income? What I want to, what is going to happen? If the best days of our fold is in the days of most of the Malay, then we are dying. That's what is happening. That is what I Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.